Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone podcast. This is episode number 88. I'm Dave Schmolson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helen E. with Helen E. Sports. And today's guest is the number sixth ranked flyweight in the world, Kaikara France in the flesh. Thanks for joining the Schmo Zone. Don't blink. Hey, you can remember the name. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Always good to um, catch up and chat, and chat about you know everything that's going on. Well, I'm glad you're still in town selfishly, but unselfishly, I know you probably want to be back home in New Zealand and everything. You have your family here, but uh, we were talking a little bit before this all started. Uh, you still have to wait for your opportunity to get home and that lottery. Yeah, it's, um, you know, crazy times. I thought you, we were way past this back in 2020, but, you know, COVID is, uh, you know, hanging around. So, um, yeah, New Zealand now, um, it, things are opening up a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, they're still, you know, our borders are shut, so... You know, Dan's been over in Vegas for a few months now, and um, I've, I've been over here. Uh, I'll be over here until mid-January, so I'm lucky enough I got a room for a New Zealand sport, which is, um, you know, they help out um, high-performance athletes in New Zealand, so they're lucky enough to give me a room um, as a priority. Uh, so I'll be back mid-Jan, and then you do seven days in your hotel, and then you can go into the community. So um over Christmas and New Year's, I didn't want to be away from my family, my wife and my son, so I brought them along with me for the ride. Um, so it's nice to have them here. Um, we're going to go to Hawaii next week, just chill out, you know, all that hard work that um, we did for the camp um, and then obviously fight week and, all, and the results. So we can put our feet up and just relax and um, just soak it in. Is the high of the big victory starting to kind of simmer down right now or, you know, a little over a week since the big moment, since the big victory? Probably the biggest one of your career so far. Yeah, definitely. It's my biggest biggest win in my career but this, this is um yeah it, every morning I wake up and I was like did that really happen like it it kind of it couldn't have gone any better you know from the lead up to the um to the, the actual fight um and then the finish and getting a bonus um and you know everyone really doubting me and 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 um you know kind of overlooking me and especially Cody you know overlooking me already telling Dana I'll be the alternate for the next uh, flyweight title fight so um yeah the whole lead up was um was was a weird one, you know. I I knew that, you know, I'd been putting in the work. So when I turned up on fight week, I was focused. You know, I only had one, one person in front of me, and and that that's all I was focused on, which was Cody. And you know, he's too busy trying to fight everyone else but me, and won't even acknowledge me. Won't even really. It was kind of like I was um, set up. You know, he he was getting set up for the title shot, and uh, I was, like he said, just a pawn and just uh, um, another stepping stone for him to build build him up for flyweight. So. You know, I was here to spoil the party, and and that's what I did. So it is pr it's pretty satisfying when, uh, in your head, you know, you've been visualizing this, and then it all works out pretty much to a T how you thought the fight was gonna go, 
and um, yeah, to silence a lot of critics and to to get a lot more fans, um, especially in America, that um, now know my name and they're like, okay, this guy's the one to watch. So yeah, it's uh, very satisfying. Yeah, because on that note of him not really, or it seemed like, in your opinion, if he was overlooking you, I noticed in the press conference he was just kind of going back and forth with Sean O'Malley. Mm. And you were, so I noticed during the face-off, didn't you say something to him, right? Like, yeah, yeah. hey, I'm your opponent for this weekend. Yeah, I said to him, don't worry about Sean, worry about me. And he's like, what do I got to worry about you for? Like, this the energy I was getting from him, the whole, um, you know, the, his whole demeanor was just like, this is nothing. This is just, you, you're, you're lucky you're here. That's the kind of um, vibe I got of him, so... It kind of just lit a fire underneath me. I was already fired up when I got this match up. You know, I've I've been motivated since day one, four months out. But on fight week, it just added to the what was to come, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna um, just channel all that energy and bring it into the octagon. So I'm not really a talker. You know, I don't need to build the fight up. Then more need be. You know, there wasn't nothing personal. But when he didn't really acknowledge me, and and you know, he didn't really respect that. I, you know, I was I was the, his opponent in front of him. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna have to show this guy what's up. So, at the weigh-ins, um, I did a uh, in New Zealand. You know, um, being Maori, you know, it's tradition that you set the set the tone for what's to come. And, and our national team, the All Blacks, they do a haka before they play, and it's just uh, I guess add to the the atmosphere. You know, this is hostile territory, and it's like kill or be killed. So I come from a warrior. Um, mentality that my ancestors would have fought on a battlefield over land you know hundreds of years ago so i'm just the modern day version of that so i was channeling channeling that when i stepped onto that way in and it's something that kind of comes naturally and i know i knew americans or people that have never seen it wouldn't get it they'd be like what's he doing is this is disrespectful he's just slitting his, his throat but you know that that's this is me showing respect this is me um representing my culture i don't have to change who i am i'm just bringing it to the spotlight and that you know that's what i'd love to do i love to represent my people and um i didn't have to change you know i just bought everything that i've been brought up doing and then brought it to the world so um, when I did that, and 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 it's called a pukana, which means a facial expression. So it's pretty much to try to intimidate your opponents and um, just to let them know that this is for real. This is what's about to happen. So it was a little taste. He he just took it as like he was laughing it off, which in the All Blacks when they compete against other teams, when they've laughed at the the hucker or like smiled at it and stuff like that, they. Um, it's always a smash like the team the all blacks will smash them in the in the rugby game so um the same thing happened for this fight so yeah pretty pretty special to kind of have that moment in time where um i guess my culture was on display but then to bring that in with me when i stepped in the ring um there's so much more to it you know when when i step into the ring now i'm bringing you know all my people that i represent um i'm channeling that that energy and um yeah you felt that on fight night (laughs) Yeah, I went to the University of Arizona, and I remember I was there from 2008 through 2012, and there was yeah. a lot of Samoan athletes I, on the team, and they did the haka dance yeah. as a pregame ritual for the American football game. So I'm very well tuned to what yeah. that warrior spirit is, and you challenge that for all the laymen who didn't recognize that in the moment. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, going back, what were you going to say? Oh, I also want to add, I loved Israel's reaction. Yeah. The best day, you know, that's that's family, you know, that's yeah. not just a teammate, that's not just a friend. The way he reacts and his emotions, that's like raw, you can't fake that. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's just the kind of um, atmosphere and, and environment that we have at our gym. You know, we we get more nervous when our teammates fight than when we fight. Um, 
but yeah, he, he's, you know, a very good friend of mine. And, um, I know for this camp, he saw a difference in me, you know, I, I was a lot more focused, um, especially what was, um, on stake, you know, fighting a former champ. Um, I just knew the kind of mindset and the level that I had to tap into and the standard that I needed to, needed to get to. Um, so I, I pushed the boundaries of this camp. You know, I went to a lot of, um, I, like a lot of, I did a lot of mental work as well as physical, obviously, but um, just, you know, tapping into that 1%, that that uh, that place where you need to be able to go to if you need to in the fight um, and just zone in like the most calmest place in the world is the bottom of a pool. Like with our breathing coach, we, we work a lot with Dave Wood. Um, who's uh, he's a like life lifeguard um, rescuer, so uh, and a, a first response paramedic. So he, in his job, you know, you have to be calm, relaxed, because usually he's the first on scene, um, or he's trying to save people's lives when he's um, rescuing them out of um, from drown, drowning. So what we integrate that into high performance, and he's um, come up for an awesome system that we use for um, at City Kickboxing. So, um, yeah, it's got nothing to do with fighting or combat training, but, you know, it's got everything to do with staying calm and staying controlled and controlling what you can. So, like I said before, being being underneath a pool and kind of just zoning out, thinking about nothing but being present, being right now. Um, a lot of stuff we we do on our, our trainings try to emulate that and, and simulate, um, yeah, just controlling what you can. So when I stepped in the ring, you know, I felt so calm, so present, so um, relaxed. All the pressure was on Cody. I could see that he was, you know, a bit more um, reactive when I was fainting a lot more, um, you know, hesitant to cut, to exchange. Um, that might be from the weight cut, um, maybe insecurities about how his body's going to react, how um, how durable he's going to be. Um, so, yeah, that the fight, we had a few different scenarios that we'd been training. We didn't realize um, what kind of game plan he was going to bring in, if he's going to come in like a usual self, guns blazing, trying to take me on the first round, or if he was going to be uh, that, that counter... Um, which he's one of the best at counterfighting. Uh, so yeah, we just had to draw it out of him, use our feints, use um, use our presence rather than uh, committing too much. Otherwise, that's when he's most dangerous is when he's leading the dance, when he's he's trying to draw you into things. Um, but yeah, we caught him earlier than expected um, with the right hand. And then, um, yeah, I, I knew once I landed that flush shot, it was all downhill from there. So from, from, um, from that right hand, I just kind of had to, stay patient i could hear dan hooker yelling just just faint take your time take your time um but yeah once i started going into the body um to, to make him forget about the head uh and then i set it back up and went back upstairs so hit him with the three-piece combo right hand jab and then right uppercut and then uh yeah he was just stunned from there and then i uh, got the finish so yeah it couldn't have gone any better like i said before and uh, yeah just happy to live up to my nickname again and uh carry on this momentum so there's a lot of talk about him going down to 125 pounds. Yeah. How did he feel compared to other 125 pounders? And during fight week and just from your observations at face-offs and stuff like that, how do you feel the weight cut in him at that weight truly was? You know, the, you're always going to say it's the best weight cut ever. You know, when you're making that cut down to flyweight or the, the weight um, below. Uh, you know, I fought big flyweights before Piver. You know, people might have forgot I fought him in Melbourne and he was a very big flyweight and, you know, he wasn't that much smaller than um, Sean O'Malley, who's a big bantamweight. Um, and he, you know, he's probably had the the hard uh, the hardest head that I've fought. I nearly broke my hand on his head and with the first punch, I, I cracked my uh, uh, my wrist and I, I um, buckled it. I couldn't even throw it for the rest of the fight. But um, I, I took time after that fight to make it, to let it heal. Um, but yeah, with Cody, um, 
it's just different, you know. First time making this weight, you you don't want it to be the first time in an actual fight. You want to do a practice cut in your gym and, and spar hard and then see how your body recovers. That would be the smart way of doing it, right? So um, if this was his first time doing it, um, yeah, it wasn't the right decision, I, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, people, uh, I've, I've kind of taken um, offense when people were saying, look, oh, Cody's done, look at his chin. It's like there was so much more to this than Cody his durability obviously getting knocked out in a lot of his fights wouldn't have helped it but it wasn't just about that it was precision it was accuracy um you got you got to give credit when credit's due you know I, they, they, everyone was counting me out so when um when i got the win and i made it look easy people like oh you know cody's done it was like well you got to give me some credit as well well yeah you firmly believe and it's probably likely too. had cody beat you he'd be next in line for a title shot so oh, you could yeah. so you could come from the line and say look i beat him i'm next in line for the title shot because you would have given it to this guy had he won exactly that that's ex exactly how i approached dana white i said there's the title shot right there and he said oh we'll talk so um it's, it's kind of like a double standard i know he would he's already been given a title shot and he got COVID, so they he had to pull out um, but, you know, they're definitely building him up to, to be the next in line. So I was like, well, why does that make any difference for me? You know, I take him out. I, you know, I silence a lot of doubters. And, and um, you know, on such a stat card, last last pay-per-view for the year, UFC 269 on a, on a main card. Pretty rare for a flyweight fight to be on a main card. It doesn't really happen. Um, and to make people be like, oh, this is exciting. You know, look at these guys. They're going for knockouts. They're going for finishes. And, um this guy should be the next in line. So there's um, a, pe a lot of people saying, you know, you've got one more fight left before you get to Tuttle. Um, but I'll argue with our team at City Kickboxing, Eugene and Ash, they're saying, well, why Why does he need one more? You know, you're going to give that guy the title shot. So give Kai the title shot. So we'll see what happens. We're, we're in talkings now with the UFC. Um, nothing's been set just yet. But, um, yeah, I, I want to stay active next year. Um, if that means I have to get one more in before the title, then so be it. You know, our ultimate goal is to be the champion. So I don't want to just wait it out. I'd rather, you know, fight and and make uh, make a claim and still just still continue this momentum in this run. Yeah. Well, I saw on Twitter Askar Askarov. He's trying to call you yeah, out. Yeah, I, I haven't even responded. Like it's my time. Uh, like you got to let me enjoy this moment. And, yeah. You know, a lot of people are saying like, oh, Kai doesn't deserve it. I was like, well, but where are these other flyweights? They weren't on this card. They weren't fighting the former champ. I was so. Um, you got to let me just soak soak this in. But, you know, obviously um, I didn't go up in the rankings, which I was surprised. I thought I would have. Um, being number six now, I thought I would have bumped into the number f at least number five. Um, but, yeah, there's if you go through that whole top five in the flyweights, you could argue that I would be above everyone. Um, just just their track record. You know, Asko Askarov didn't make, weight cause, didn't make weight his last fight. Coming off so many decisions, you know, people don't, the UFC is about making money and being entertaining. No one's going to buy that uh, pay-per-view if, if they put him in front of the title holder, uh, in front of Moreno. Um, obviously, Figueroa has got the next title shot, so he's um, June 22nd. I did tell Dana White, I, I messaged him. I said, if you need an alternate, I can happily step in. You know, I can. I didn't get injured, didn't really get touched, so I can make the weight if, if need be. Um, but, yeah, they, they're kind of... They're not brushing it off, but I, I think they've got other plans, so... If that if that is the the go, then like I said before, I'd happily you know take the number one contender spot. Did they approach you about potentially being an alternate for that January twenty second? No, no, fight? I approached them. I just said I I put it out to Ash, our manager, and he said, yeah, I'll have a talk with uh, the UFC. So so if they said yes, would you stay in America? And yeah, and well, if, if they did, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but 
we haven't got a response, so that pretty much says it says everything. But uh, yeah, with everyone in that top five, you can make a claim for everyone. You know, Ravel number five. Obviously, I lost to him, uh, but he's coming off two losses, so you know he's not really in the title mix. Um, Alex Perez missed weight, and the fight was off, and now they've been rescheduled against him a match now. So you know that that he's got a fight booked. Uh, next one, Alexander Pantoja. He, obviously, he's probably got the best. Um, the best claim to get a title shot because he's beaten Moreno twice, once in the Ultimate Fighter and then once outside. Um, but, you know, he's been injured, been out for a little while. And then, um, yeah, like I said, Askar Askarov missed weight. Um, I don't know why you would reward someone for missing weight um, with a title shot. So, yeah, like I said before, me, me fighting a former champ and coming off two knockouts as well as three performances um, bonuses. So... Um, yeah, I, I feel like I should be the next in line. Yeah, very well said. And you do have a big claim to get that next title shot. But speaking of the title shot, mm. who do you think wins the trilogy between Brandon Moreno and Davison? I feel like Moreno is going to get the job done. Like I feel like he's too too well-rounded for Figueroa. Um, you know, Figueroa is dangerous. That first round is definitely his best round. But I, I don't see it going any differently like this um, than the second fight. Just um, they're like Moreno will mix it up a, bit, a lot better. And um, you know, I saw Figueroa's training with Suhudo doing wrestling. I think he was a part of um, what's his name, Wailing's camp, yeah, and and helping them out. Uh, but I don't know if Henry Suhudo is going to help with wrestling um, for the Moreno fight. I just feel like his jujitsu is too good to stay on the ground and and to keep him there. And then um, he's got good hands, you know, he's got good boxing. Um, Figueroa is quite one-dimensional by uh, being the bully, coming coming forward, loves to have his hands down by his hips and throw just throw hard. Um, it's quite easy to read. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like Moreno will, will get the job done. I don't, I, don't want, I don't know what he'll catch him with, either submission or maybe even to stop him. Um, but, yeah, I feel like Moreno will, will re- remain the title holder. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to the Henry Cejudo thing a little bit later down in the podcast too, but going back to this trilogy fight, mm. is there something to be said about going into your next fight, going to the guy who you just lost to in your psyche there, and just by the style of how he lost to that fight, it was it 261? Mm. I know Izzy was on the card, it was in, or not Izzy, uh, Leon Edwards was on that card, yeah, yeah. and Phoenix, and Izzy was on that card too um, against Marvin Vittori. Mm. Where do you think... Do you think that's a disadvantage, ready going into that fight, knowing how that second one went? No, definitely. It's all about, um, you know, having that one percent advantage and and um the, and the mental warfare. You know that you've just lost to him, so it takes a lot just to get back in there. You know, build yourself back up, build this co- that confidence, um, and then you know if Mara- uh, Figueroa loses, you know that's a few in a row now, so it's it's hard to come back from that. But um, yeah, it, it's. You got to have um, some great men around you to build you back up, um, you know, and and tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. You know, being the champ, you kind of get uh, not special treatment, but you get to um, do it. You kind of your way. Sometimes you need to take that power away and just become a student again, and just be be um, be all ears and just listen, you know. Um, but uh, you know, that's all. As you. It's all different, you know. At City Kickboxing, that's what we do, you know. If if you're the champ or if you're just a, a newbie, um, if you're late, you're late, and it doesn't matter if you're the world champ. You got 100 push-ups, so um, that keeps you accountable. That keeps you honest, and uh, I guess that keeps you grounded. So that's the kind of mindset and and um, atmosphere that we have at our gym. So I don't know about other gyms. I know in America there's so many big camps that it gets quite clicky. There's different 
teams inside the teams. Um, it's not like, not like that at all at our gym. You know, there's one team, there's one time. You turn up. If you're not on time, you got punishment. If uh, if you're late, you get you know you get fined as well. So it keeps you. Um, uh, you you need that kind of um, discipline as well as accountability. And um, you know, when we have fights, we turn up for for the guy that's fighting. Um, and then you know that when uh, you have a fight. The, the other guys will turn up for you so it's like a full circle you know you want to give time and you got to give it as a two-way street so when you're training on the weekends when um you know the gyms are usually closed um you know you guys you've got guys that'll come in because it's um you know mutual they'll, they'll do the same for you so yeah it's pretty cool to have that so when you envision fighting for the title it would mm -hmm. be against brandon moreno it'd be a rematch from rematch. ufc 245 yeah. why is it going to be different and we'd hear and new that night it's going to be a lot different you know um obviously when we fought, uh, you know, I was still finding my feet in the UFC. I was on a big win streak then, but uh, I was still developing my skills um, and that confidence as well. You know, getting in the UFC, you're fighting the best in the world. So you, your kind of mentality has to be invincible. You can't have any chink in your armor when it comes to believing in yourself, your, your skills. Um, and I guess it's a learning curve, you know, when you take a loss and it was a close fight, you know, I dropped him twice in the first round. Um, he did well to adjust in the second round. He kicked me a lot with his switch kick. Um, and then the, the third round was close, but I, I just took too much too much damage um, that the judges gave gave it to him. But, you know, we've, we've developed um, a lot since that fight. He's obviously the champ now, and he's done a lot, um, a lot since then. Um, but it makes for a great story. Um, rematching back in, uh, rematching in 2022, I see it now. Me and him squaring off in a five-round fight. Maybe, you know, if they UFC come back to New Zealand or Australia, we could do it there. Um, I know we're missing it. We miss live events like that in, in that side of the world. So, um, it, yeah, this is me, obviously, um, predicting the future. But, yeah, I would love a rematch, you know. Stylistically, it's a great fight. You know, he's scrappy. I'll come forward. Um, but, yeah, I feel like my stand-up is, is so much better since that fight. And um, I, I'll, I'll be going for those kill shots. So... Last time I dropped him twice, this time I'll put him away. So um, I, I believe I'm the best. You know, it's a different kind of mentality. Um, when you train with world champions, it definitely drip feeds onto you. Um, and the high caliber and standard that we have our gym so high that you've got no excuse but to get better. Otherwise, you get left behind and, you know, you've, you've got to constantly evolve. And, and that's why we've tapped into other specialists, other coaches um, to get that 1% advantage because when it's fight week, when you're stepping in there, there's no... Um, yeah, you you gotta it's you gotta be so honest and and um, honest with yourself and say, have I done enough? Have I have I put everything into this? And if I, you've ticked all the boxes and in, in, in the camp, um, then there's no excuse. That's why we believe so much in ourselves. So yeah. I know when you fought Brandy Moreno, that was about one year after you made your UFC debut back in mm. December 2018. Yeah. So I'm curious, like when you fought him in 2019, did you ever foresee that he would become champion in the division? Uh, he's always been like the dark horse, like in the ultimate fighter. Ultimate fighter too. He yeah. was ranked yeah. number 16 out of all of the fighters. So um, I remember there was like alternates that, that were in the um, house with us waiting for any of us to kind of um, miss weight or like fail or drug test and stuff. And, and everyone was um, pretty much saying, oh yeah, if Brandon's out, um, I'm going to be in. Um, I'll take his spot kind of thing. And then, um, you know, he went to war with Pantoja, who was ranked number one at the time. 
and um, it, it made everyone realize, oh, this kid's this kid's something. He's actually really good, and he's raw. He's he's talented, um, but he's got that fire, that Mexican fire that you always talk about. Um, so yeah, when he got a late call up, oh, short notice call up, and then was actually in the UFC for I think Lewis Smoker, and and um, got a um, really good submission win, a quick submission, um, that opened a lot of doors for him. You know, people started to recognize him. Um, but yeah, he actually ended up getting cut from the UFC when um, I was making my UFC debut the flyweight division was not in um, not in a good state and everyone was saying that this this division was going to diminish and pretty much going to dissolve and, and people were going to just be like oh bantamweight's the lightest weight class now don't worry about flyweight there's no competition um, but yeah so he got cut and then he got uh, re-signed and then um, then he started making a run at the title and now to see him the champ you know that that just shows what kind of character he has and He's um you know he's done really well so I, I'm I'm happy for him but you know it's um it's a fight that I always can go back on and be like okay he's the champ now um, going through rounds of him definitely gives me confidence knowing that I'm I'm definitely right there and uh, with the best guys in the world um, but a few little adjustments I could have won that fight um, and my my coach Eugene always um, tells me that you know like this guy isn't that much better um, we could have changed a few things and it would have been our fight so. Um, like I said before, it's a big learning curve for me. Um, brings me a lot of confidence knowing that you know I did go three rounds with the champ, and um, now beating a former champ, coming off uh, I got eleven knockouts on my record now, two knockouts in the UFC, four four um, bonuses in the UFC now. Um, momentum's definitely on my side now, so um, I'm just going to run with it. I'm you know already back in the gym now, already staying ready, um, having my family here. You know that that keeps me grounded. You know, I go to the gym and then come back home. You know, I'm in full dad mode, just doing what I can and just being there. You know, this this is life moments now because when I fought, that was my son's first ever UFC event. So to have him and my wife in the same stadium when I was fighting to 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 have it all work out like that. You know, you you like I said, you it couldn't have gone any better. And he's gonna always remember that that's my dad. And um, yeah, pretty special. Well, all the knockouts that you have is that how you got your nickname? Don't blink. Yeah, it's something that I got given to me. So when I was in Thailand, I was based over there for about four years, training out of uh, Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket, Thailand, uh, just fighting around Asia. So I was in the Asia circuit uh, fighting in, I think one year I fought nine times um, in nine different countries. Every month I fought. Um, and I was doing it for a visa run at the time as well. So I had to leave the Thailand border, fight in another country, and then I could come back and then they'll extend my, my stay. So, you know, I fought in... You know, so many different places. Um, Dan Dan Hooker was my cornerman at the time, so me and him would just float around. So you know, I fought in Taiwan, Indonesia, Philippines, Japan, China, Guam. Um, where else? On in Thailand. Um, you know, I I pretty much fought everywhere in Asia. Um, so I became a kind of household name over there. Um, and in one point. Uh, I fought in Taiwan. I won by a nine-second knockout. It was pretty much the first punch. Two weeks later, I fought on a cruise ship. It came from Malaysia to Phuket overnight. So Malaysia to Thailand. Um, the fights weren't at uh, weren't uh, going on when the boat was moving. It was docked at a port, and then over um, at night, all my teammates from Thai um, from Tiger Muay Thai came onto the boat, and they could all watch. And that and that fight was about twelve seconds lo uh, long. I fought a Filipino guy. Um, so in the space of one month, I you know had less than three. 30 seconds of ring time. Um, and then in that year, I ended up racking up five first round finishes all by knockout. So people were like, 
man, if you don't blink, don't blink, you'll miss this guy's fights. And then that's when I got picked up for the Ultimate Fighter. So, um, yeah, just kind of stuck with the name. So when I was in the UFC and I wasn't getting finishes, I was like, man, I'm going to have to change my nickname. <laughs> I'm just letting everyone down. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I uh, got to reinstate the name and um, do it justice. Now, you fought on a cruise ship, so they put a ring? Yeah, it was on the top deck. So there was 10 stories, and it was right next to the pool. So it was like That's open. Cool. Yeah, it was first of its kind. So no seasickness. No, no, didn't get any sea legs. I was, I was sweet. Um, we did get the party on the boat for two days after, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, it was pretty light work. It, it, it was pretty funny because my opponent was Philippine, um, for the Philippines, and um, a lot of the workers were Filipino on the on the cruise ship. So they all came out of the kitchen and they were all watching us. And this guy's got the hometown advantage. <laughs> it's so funny, uh, a cruise ship, because I remember during the beginning of the pandemic and everyone was guessing, hey, where can the USC put on yeah. events? Yeah, One yeah, of yeah. the topics of conversation was a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah, it was. And so now, it can I've be done. done. Before, yeah, done it, it. it can be done before. They were always saying like, if it rains, we're screwed because there was no roof on yeah. it. <laughs> and um, if that was to happen, they were going to do it in like the theater area in the on the cruise ship but obviously it all worked out um yeah and we got to party for two days after so um yeah it could be done you know there's a blueprint there uh, i'll do it again if, if the ufc wanted to do it <laughs> so does D the house you're staying at is dan hookers does he yeah. live there or is he renting it because i know he's trying to move his family here to the united states and is, are we going to get a second branch of city kickboxing here in the united states um i guess never say never um there's in this time, uh, day and age, things are changing weekly, you know, so many things um, happen so quickly. Um, as of now, Dan's in New York with his family for Christmas, so um, he just said, here's the keys, just um, tidy up after yourself. So it's pretty nice. Um, it's just an apartment, you know, it's it's just off the strip, so close to everything, close to the PI, so convenient more than anything, and it's just nice being, um, just having, away from the craziness of the, of the strip, strip and being in Vegas and just being, I guess, normal and um, yeah, having, having my family there. So, uh, yeah, pretty lucky to have him sort me out. Um, but yeah, he, he been looked after a lot by the UFC. So yeah, he's, um, a great teammate, you know, he's our team captain. He's, he's the, the leader, you know, he steps up, no excuses and just gets the job done. Um, so yeah, I, I've definitely taken Dan, um, Dan's career as a blueprint and like just a role model for me. Um, just the ups and downs that he's had in his career, but you know, he's always, um, stayed true to who he is and, um, a lot of fighters in New Zealand really see him as like the pinnacle because he was the first fighter to get signed from New Zealand based out of New Zealand, not based overseas. So, um, yeah, he's definitely one of the pioneers for us. Yeah. So I have a hunch because I don't know what we're recording this podcast today. It probably is out tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I think Dana White's talked about uh, that they've scheduled tried to book a fight with Tony Ferguson. My guess is they're trying to book Tony Ferguson and Dan Hooker. Oh, yeah. I think that would be a great fight. It would be a great fight, but I don't know because Dan's been te uh, teasing the idea of dropping down to featherweight. So there's that in the mix now. So I don't know. I've heard other things as well. That would be a great fight. Uh, but I've heard other top five featherweights that um, he's got on his hit list. So. so you think firmly that his next fight will be at featherweight, 145? Oh, I don't, <laughs> don't, um, don't quote me on that. But yeah, I think it would be. Um, he said his weight cut was easy. He's, he doesn't walk around that heavy, so for him, um, I feel like this is his next move. But, um, yeah, he, it's a lot different than the first time when he was making his featherweight um, run. His body was a lot different. He was uh, kind of cutting too much. Um, and 
not seen the advantages of cutting all that weight because obviously bouncing back and, and making the weight and then recovering and then fighting um, was a lot on his body. But now he's he's fine-tuned it a lot better because he's, he's, he's um, walking around a lot lighter. So um, for him... Yeah, I feel like that could be his next move, but I don't know yet. He, you know, he's he's a fan favorite fight. Whatever fight makes sense, whatever fight's the most exciting and the bigger one, that he will always take it. Yeah. There seems to be a good alliance, though, between freestyle MMA, Joe, and obviously with Eugene and City Kickboxing, yeah. though. That won't create any type of rift with Volkanovski and everything like that, 145? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> obviously him and the lightweight division, him and Brad were both right. uh, you know, teammates and, and um, good friends. So it, it's a... It's a weird dyma- uh, dynamic with with teammates being in the same division, and, and if he does drop to featherweight, I don't know how that will go down. But um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just something that once it happens, then you would obviously make the decision. Uh, maybe just take take the corners away and not have any corner, and just let them deal with it, and just it would just be like sparring. So um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I guess he's got to go through, you know, a few top featherweights. But, you know, Dan's such a fan, fan favorite fight. I don't think it would take him long to get to, you know, the top fighters at featherweight. There's so many good matchups here. You know, you've got Korean Zombie. You've got Yao Ye as a rematch. You've got yeah. Ortega. Um, so, yeah, some good matchups. Ortega and Volkanovski, that was what, your fight of the year? Yeah, I, I just I just think because of what we saw as a mm. five-round fight, and it wasn't just a standing fight. You know, yeah. all the escapes that Volkanovski yeah. was able to make and how competitive that fight was yeah. um it was such a fun fight and i think uh with all the great fights there's so many great fights that went on i think feel like that one is kind of lost in the shuffle but to me just watching that cage side that yeah. to me was my fight of the year that was special I, I yeah i remember just being just on edge the whole time and i don't even feel like it should have gone past the fourth round if you have to get picked up and put on a stool but i'm glad it did i'm glad it did because it did make for a better fight and, you know, Ortega, even though I thought he was out, he's stuck in there and he's tough he's tough as hell. So, um, you know, that was a great fight. So many close submissions, that guillotine was so tight. I was so, I was, I couldn't breathe. I, <laughs> I could feel myself suffocating. But, yeah, he, I knew t- Alex would have never tap. He just, he's so stubborn. He's so durable. People don't re- realize his ground game is so legit. He's probably got one of the top, heaviest top games around, um, pound for pound. You know, he's so strong. And on top when he when he's got you and um, his stand up has come a long way as well. Being at um, training at City Kickboxing, at City Kickboxing, he's definitely um, you know learnt a lot from what we um, our systems had to give and and you saw that in the max fights and now it's so complete his game. You know his wrestling, his stand up, and his jujitsu is um, you know obviously that's why he's so. Uh, doing so well and for so many years being so uh, undefeated. So, yeah, it's I don't think he's losing that belt anytime soon. So is, U- is UFC 271 official Izzy Whitaker too? Is that Houston? Because, you know, Izzy and the management and everything yeah. like that. But it's happening, right? Yeah, well, we've got three guys on the card. We've got Israel, we've got our other teammate, Carlos Olberg, and then Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond is debut, so... A lot of, they're all you know all kickboxers that have made their um, transition to MMA. So that's what makes it exciting. They, obviously, they don't have a massive MMA record three three fights um, for Bloods, and same when Carlos made his debut. But you know they've got so much experience in boxing and kickboxing. You know hundreds of fights. So um, Bloods is um, so unorthodox that you just don't know what he's going to throw, which makes it so exciting for MMA because we've got small gloves. He's definitely made for the sport. Like he's just a human highlight reel. So expect fireworks for him because I just don't know what he's going to do. 
Um, Carlos coming off uh, a loss as um, his debut in the UFC. He learned a lot from that fight, um, experience wise. You know, when he smelt blood, swarmed, got tired, and then that he just got caught. So, you know, he was definitely winning that fight. And um, I feel like, yeah, I feel bad for his next opponent because he's gonna definitely come out guns blazing again. But he's he'll he'll definitely get the job done. And then Izzy making his uh, rematch against Whitaker. You know, Whitaker was saying in the lead up uh, to the to my fight, he, was, he didn't say anything in the press call. Ah, uh, sorry, in an interview that I had with Alex and Whitaker was sitting right next to Alex. And then after the interview, they're like, "Rob, why didn't you say anything to Kai?" And he's like, "Oh, I just feel awkward." You know, obviously he's is his teammate. I don't want to be fake nice and and tell him something when he's leading into his fight. And then after the interview, when I was speaking, he's like, "Oh, I actually like him." After I just heard him, I was like, "Oh, I want him to win." Um, so I don't have anything bad to say about Rob. You know, that's him and Izzy's beef, um, if they have any beef. Um, I, I support New Zealand and Australia when we come over here, just like, you know, me and Ty, we're just, um, we're just the same. So um, there's nothing but love. Um, mutual respect, you know, even though Israel's my good friend and teammate, um, you got to respect every fighter. So I, I want to see a great fight. I don't think it's going to go any differently than the first fight. I feel like Israel's going to, do exactly the same as he did before. Catch him. Um, speed, but yeah, speed, speed kills. And and um, Izzy, you know, he's he's a sniper. He he'll find the shot and he'll put him away. Um, and I've seen a different fire in Izzy as well. This camp, um, he's he's a lot more focused and um, you know, he's always focused. But he, I just see a difference in him for this fight. And he's working a lot with the breathing coach, our sports psychologist, um, and just doing everything he can to make sure that he keeps that belt. So. Um, I'm excited to see this Izzy coming in um, for the 2022 for that February fight. And, um, yeah, I just don't see it going any uh, differently. You think the Blahovich fight lit a new fire underneath him, you know, f- tasting that first defeat in the UFC and people saying, oh, he can't wrestle, He does, you got to get on top of him. And obviously what he did to Marvin mm. and how he's been able to bounce back, you think that lit a new fire in him? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, when you taste the defeat and um, you realize that winning isn't um, – you know, you, you, you're not always going to win. And that, that made him, I guess, go over everything and made him realize, okay, if I do have to take calculated risks and, and go up weight classes, I've got to make sure that I, I'm ticking all the boxes in my own weight class. And, um, you know, he can let the division again. There's so many, there's exciting fights still at middleweight, you know, gets past Whitaker, the Strickland, got a fight coming up. There's uh, obviously the Brazilian that um, El- um, Izzy fought in kickboxing, Alex what, Pereira. Pereira. He's in the UFC now. And he's, Training he's with coming over to share. Yeah, he came coming off a big win. So um, I feel like that that's a great matchup. Um, you know, if he does well in the UFC, he's got to get through a few wrestlers first and then um, then you'll realize, okay, this guy could can cut it in the UFC. But yeah, so many good matchups um, for Izzy. Um, but yeah, I don't think, feel like he's losing the, that belt anytime soon. Is he or uh, or Alex? You know, so these guys are the best in the world, and you know they're so so dominant. Um, it feels like no one can touch them. Were you at the Apex fights this past weekend? Yeah, Justin Taffa. Yeah, 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 Justin Taffa <laughs> and Derek Lewis getting the knockout yeah. record, yeah, yeah, yeah. the knockout heavyweight king. I saw you were there for that too. Yeah, yeah, it was a great fight for Justin. Um, obviously, he had a lot of injuries this camp. No excuses, obviously missing weight, but yeah, he he just to get to Vegas, um, he had to go through so many obstacles. Um, yeah, so I was happy for him to to get the job done. As small world, he's actually my wife's cousin. So oh yeah, wow. so they um you know grew up together, um, and then um, 
yeah, the different last name, but yeah, that's it's crazy. Is, is that world. how you met your wife like through him? No, no, or, no, no. Oh, okay, no, no. Just, it just happened. It just to be happened that the way. connection. They're like, oh, that's my cousin, and yeah, that's you so fight cool. in the smallest weight division. He fights in the heaviest weight division. But yeah, he was just the first heavyweight in UFC history to miss weight. Yeah, not the greatest uh, achievement. And I, and I saw at the end of the uh, interviews, like, so what's your um, New Year's resolution? And he's like, oh, to make weight. <laughs> Finally, where it makes sense for somebody, yeah, right? Exactly. To get to make, yeah. No, it works. But no, I'm happy, I'm happy for him. But yeah, he's definitely learned a lot from this week. I saw him last night, actually. So um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, when we're over here and, you know, he's training in Australia with Mark Hunt and, uh, and Ty and, and um, you know, a lot of, uh, Polynesians in um, in Australia, but you know this is the movement of combat sports in that area. You know these guys are born and bred to do this. You know, and now you're seeing them in the UFC, um, and it's just the potential is you know limitless, and and you're starting to see that in their fights. I knew he was going to get a knockout. It's just different with um, heavyweights that um, know how to use their power. It doesn't take much, even though the kick landed flush on his guard. Yeah, it's too much. Um, but yeah, it's um, exciting, especially you know for Ty as well, coming off so many good knockouts. Um, he's definitely uh, a contender. I remember I made my UFC debut on his his fight. Um, he he headlined against Junior Desenos in Adelaide, and this was Mark Hunt's last fight. It wasn't a good night for the boys. Uh, Mark Hunt, Ty, and uh, Tyson Pedro all lost, and I, I was the only one that won that night. Um, and then he came on this little bit of a slump, three in a row. He lost. Um, but to, so to see him now back in, you know, the the mix of so many wins um, by knockout, just coming with a big win against Greg Hardy, and now um, and now Ty beating his opponent um, two weeks ago, yeah, he's he's doing amazing things and um, it's momentum. You know, you just got to back yourself, believe in yourself, and and you get the job done. Four straight knockouts for him. Yeah. Have you ever done a shoey with him? No, I stay away from that guy. <laughs> I was at the after party with him in Vegas um, after our wins, you know. Such a special moment and, you know, soaking it in. But then I'm like, okay, this is enough. Get away from me. I'm not doing any shoeys. I'll leave it to you, bro. This ain't the same for me. <laughs> well, I noticed you're wearing a hat. Just want to intervene real quick that today's podcast is brought to you by Bloomon, some of the best hair products out there. Do you shave your head? You shave your head? I've had to shave my head in a lockdown because we had uh, the bubbles were shut. We couldn't yeah. go to the hairdressers. So I had to. Oh, no, my, my wife actually shaved my head for me. So hopefully I don't have to do it anytime soon. But. Well, well, if you if you uh, grow your hair back, this is the best stuff out there. This is the Discovery Cape. They have five different kinds for you. I love using the, the Monarch Rider, the fist sample, rather. Purple one, put you in. You know, gel, you sticky hair and all yeah. that type of stuff to get the schmo. Right there. Oh, yeah. Always looking that way. Always looking slick. I appreciate that. They got all their stuff. Their Ascend Volume Cream, really good. Check them out. Use the promo code SHMO. Get 10% off. Bluemon.com. Want to throw that out there. Nice. Um, appreciate that. But also, you know, I brought it up earlier. Henry Cejudo. Mm. You obviously have history with him. Yep. Ultimate Fighter and stuff like that. He teases the comeback, but if he really wants to make the comeback, it's to jump to 145, you know, wants to prove all the doubters, fight that he can never win. Yeah. Volkanovski, 145, yada, yada. Someone that you could attest to this, all the other Bantamweights, 135, they'd say, hey, he's skipping the line. You know, what about, you know, the Max Holloway trilogy mm -hmm. fight? And then what about, you know, the guys that have really stood there at featherweight division? Yeah. What, what side of the camp are you on for that? I think he should just stick to being a dad. And just stay retired. I don't know. I just feel like it's past his time now. He, obviously, he's done really well and double champ. You know, there's not many that can say that. 
uh, being on his team in the Ultimate Fighter Season 24. You got to see the real Suhudo, obviously, before he became Triple C and all that. So I know him quite well. Um, and whenever I've seen him, you know, he's only we've only had a good relationship and he's always been um, giving me good advice on, on my career and um, only he's, he's only ever wanted the best for me, even though, you know, we talk a lot of shit together um, to each other. Um, you know, we we support each other, uh, but I feel like, you know, he's a bad matchup for Alex. He, he's going to get himself hurt if he wants to fight him. Um, and I just feel like he's just a bit too small for um, featherweight. But, you know, I don't want to ever count people out because a lot of people say I'm too small. Um, for my weight class, but for Alex, oh, so for Henry, I just feel like yeah, abandoned weight was was a good weight for him because he's quite compact and um, still got the speed. But featherweight, uh, it's just they're, they're big boys, and um, I don't feel like he can um, carry this power over to featherweight. But you know that that's that's what makes fighting so great is you just never know. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like he's always teasing that the idea. It, it's just trying to stay relevant, really. But yeah, if you're seeing the Cejudo, stay retired, bro. You don't want it. Stay retired, brother. I do do a podcast with him, a <laughs> oh, yeah. Triple C and Schmo <laughs> show, but no, he always talks about that. But as someone who knows both of them, you really think that size is really, really a huge difference maker in that. Yeah, I like, because I know he's got um, Ali as his matchmaker, so uh, as his manager, so he's always trying to get his guys fight. So I saw him retweeting Ashka, uh, Ashka's, um his response saying, "Come on, Kai, step up." You know, I I put the flyweight on my back, and oh, and I want to see more exciting fights. But mate, you don't need to step in, mate. Just just stay on the sideline and just enjoy being retired. Like you've had your time now. Um, just leave it to the young man, young man sport. So yeah. But you knew Henry pre cringe. Yes, yes, pre cringe. Do you th- and he? Do you? say he's responsible for saving the flyweight division when he fought Cejudo at 125 because he goes on record and says I saved the flyweight division here and there do you see it that way as a flyweight in the UFC well he's he's always put on exciting fights and obviously more eyes on us is good things um more attention um you know more people tuning in but for me um you know the, the sport's always evolving and um yeah he, you know he's done he's done great things but I would happily fight Cejudo even though he was my coach, you know, we he's not on my he's not at my team. He's not at City Kickboxing. So, um, you know, even though we're good friends, Henry, but you can still catch these hands. If you want to come out of retirement and drop that weight down to flyweight, I'd happily welcome you. I already took out took out a former champ, so I can take out a a retired champ if you want. We can do it. I mean, Brad Riddell just fought Rafael Fiziev. They mm. were both friends and yeah, yeah. or still are friends and both coaching and Mo- at uh, uh, Tiger, the Tiger Muay Thai, yeah, yeah. Thailand. So it happens. It's it part happens. Of the sport. The, the, this community, the MMA community, is so small. Everyone knows everyone. Um, but you know, you got to respect why you started the sport. And when you're in the UFC, you know, you got to fight everyone. And your weight class, even the one above, you kind of, you have to kind of see who's um, one weight class above, just because you know they could drop down like what Cody did. It just happens. Um, people try to reinvent themselves, or they want to test themselves, and um, yeah, it just happens. So you you just have to remember why why you're here. You're here to fight the best, and um, you know I'm here to provide for my family. I'm here to, you know, put um put food on the table, and I'm here to be the best. So you, to do that, you got to fight everyone, and um yeah, that's just the way the sport goes. But at City Kickboxing, obviously, where if that was to happen with teammates fighting each other, and it was for the belt, I guess we'd have to 
make that decision when it will when it happens. But um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's just different. Um, if you're not in the, at the team at City Kickboxing, then you know we'll fight everyone. No one's off limits. Did you catch by chance last week the press conference for Eagle FC Khabib's coming out with his own fighting promotion? I heard I heard that he's got his own promotion. Um, you know he's got a lot of ex UFC guys that are on the cards, um, so it should be exciting. You know more more promotions, more um, you know more people tuning in, uh, and his first time actually breaking into the American market, so that should be interesting. We were there for the press conference in oh, Miami, yeah. and uh, it's interesting to see they're creating a 165-pound weight division oh, and shit. the increments of 10, and they'll have 175. It looks yeah. like, speaking of old guys, it looked like the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans is coming out oh, to, yeah. to, to have a fight as well, too. Oh, but like you said, just mm. having more competition in the space, mm. all it's going to do is bring more eyeballs and grow the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, the more the merrier. Uh, I know in New Zealand we have a few like staple promotions, uh, but definitely um, it, it's been hard for local fighters to kind of break through. We've got um, a big show in New Zealand called King of the Ring. It's a, it's a kickboxing show. Sometimes they have MMA fights, but mostly just kickboxing. Um, but if you win that, is you have to fight three times in one night. Um, it's old school, and like if the you, Pride days. Yeah, like Pride. Um, if you win that, that really makes you um, like a true champion. So a lot of our guys from City Kickboxing have won that tournament. Uh, you know, Israel's won it at uh, middleweight and at heavyweight. Carlos has won it at Blood Diamond, Brad, D Dan, you know, the list goes on. So if you win that, that really makes you a staple name in New Zealand for, uh, for kickboxing. And then a lot of those guys have crossed over to MMA. So they've, they've already had that experience. They've been tested three times a one night. That's pretty tough. It, it's about not taking too much damage and then lasting that first and second fight. And then in the, th in the third fight, it's pretty much who's taking the least amount of damage usually wins. Um, so I do some commentary on the fights. So it's it's nice actually um, learning a skill because obviously after MMA, after my UFC career, you want to be an analyst if, if and you got to be able to talk about it. So um, it's great to upskill and learn that stuff now before I finish my career. Well, Smart. is that a goal of yours to want to be a UFC commentator? Uh, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's a goal, but it's a great school to learn. And then yeah. if, you know, I do want, if I did want to pursue that after my career, um, it'd be an easy transition. So, uh, yeah, I would happily, if the UFC wanted me to, to, to do it, um, you know, the best way to do it is just get thrown in there and just learn on the spot. So, um, yeah, you just never know. Uh, the, the life after fighting, you know, it happens a lot, long time before you actually retire. You want to be setting yourself up. I don't want to be doing this when I don't want to fight and I don't want to be doing it just to get a paycheck. Obviously, I'm in the sport to be the best and provide for my family, but I'm not here to just make money and, and just not care about winning or losing um yeah so when that does happen then you need to really start to um i guess take a step back and see okay is this what i really want to do but you know for now i've still got a few years i'm still young 28 um you know i've been fighting since professionally since 2010 i've I had my uh mma debut uh pro debut when i was my last year of high school so i was fighting you know grown men when i had exams to get ready for <laughs> um so i've been in the sport for so many years now so when I made my UFC um, debut, I was more than ready. You know, I'd fought all around Asia. I'd been an Ultimate Fighter. Um, you know, I'd seen so many different looks and in, in fighting. Um, and then, obviously, being based out of City Kickboxing, we train with so many high-caliber fighters. The standards so high, you figure out if if you're meant for this or not. Um, if you get beat enough and you turn up the next day, then that usually says, "Okay, this guy's not normal. I think he's going to be fine." Um, so yeah, when, when I make my fights now in the UFC, 
um, you know, I was born to do this. I, that's the kind of mindset I have. Like I said at the start of this interview, I tap into that Maori warrior um, mentalities that uh, you know that I channel. I channel that when I fight. So for me, you know, it's such a privilege, such an honour to represent my people on this world stage. And um, I, I know I was uh, destined to do this. It was actually a crazy story. My last fight when I fought Bonter and I got caught in a choke. And um, at, when I was born, I was actually had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck, so I was a day late. And my head was black, and um, my mum, everyone in the room thought I was dead. But I was, uh, they eventually wrapped it, uh, unraveled it, and then I was still breathing. So straight out of the womb, I was already fighting. So you take that into the, uh, what happened in my last fight when I was getting choked, and I just had to stay calm, stay relaxed. I wasn't thinking about that moment, but I, I, you know, I'd been in that moment so many times that I just had to stay calm, and then eventually the guy got tired, and uh, I put him away. So yeah, pretty crazy. You had the fight before anybody else, right after birth. Yeah, it's it. Fighting the chokes already, uh, yeah, straight out of the womb. So, wanted to ask you as we wrap things up here, yep. like as an alum of the Ultimate Fighter, and obviously seeing Volkanovski and Ortega fight on the last Ultimate Fighter, who do you think would be best fit as the next coach of the Ultimate Fighter? I've heard rumors that it's going to be heavyweights and females. Yeah, maybe female featherweights. Um, if yeah. the division still exists in yeah, the UFC, if it still exists. Uh, one of my teammates, Jenna, she she might be doing it if there is featherweight. So Good. she's Good. she's a um, I guess taller and, and bigger girl, so she would fit that weight class. But as a coach, um, you know, there's I guess some good rivalries out there. Um, obviously, anyone that fights Izzy will be a great um, would make for great TV. Obviously, Izzy's quite flamboyant and um, has he's charismatic, so great for TV. Um, I don't know. They're, yeah, uh, you know, Dan could be a great coach on there. I, I would love to see that. If we're just talking about city kickboxing guys, um, what about we open it up to the entire roster? Everyone, yeah. well, everyone. I don't know. Um, what are the great matchups right now? Um, anyone with Usman, you know, he's he's a good talker. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard one with. Um, with all the uh, well, lightweight division is so stacked as well. Who would you who would you recommend as a coach? I was thinking Masvidal and Covington with oh, that yeah. rivalry. Those oh, two yeah. talkers. That would be a good one. Yeah, that would be really good. That would be good. But lightweight too. You bring up a good point. Yeah. That division has so much going on as well. Yeah. It's wide open too. Yeah, I doubt. But I, I wouldn't do the Ultimate Fighter again unless it's at bantamweight. I wouldn't do it at flyweight. Took took too much out of me to maintain that weight for that. Yeah, long. I was gonna Seven say weeks straight. So, and just be ready too, especially yeah, someone steps on a day's up. Days notice, yeah. So if I did it again, it would have to be at bantamweight, and then obviously be for a title. So that's a fair way to yeah. put it. Yeah. And I guess my last question is: Did you happen to catch the fight or the replays of the Woodley and Jake Paul? I just saw the finish. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it crazy to think that some people are questioning if it was Fake like an, or real? Yeah. 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 It's. It meant like Woodley took that fight on short notice. Obviously, he'd been training, but not like you know fight training um, to that extent for for a big fight like that. Um, I, I you know I know Tommy. I don't know Tommy, but I've watched him from Love Island. That's why I first knew about him. Oh, so you're into reality <laughs> TV? There <laughs> yeah, it is. I've seen, I've seen Love Island. Yeah, I watch it with my wife. Um, but yeah, I, I remember watching him on that and be like, oh, he's actually a boxer. He's oh, that's um, Tyson Fury's little brother. Um, so I was actually thinking that would be a good fight. Obviously, he's a big He's a big fighter, um, or 
he's got the size that Jake usually um, hasn't been fighting. He's fighting guys that are a lot smaller. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a tough one when it's a former champion and um, former UFC guy. You know, it's tough to, to watch that. I know Jake's just trying to stay, uh, stay, pick his fights. You know, pick the easier fights, the guys that aren't actually his weight class, the guys that aren't really boxers. And they're predominantly MMA fighters. So great finish for him. But um, you know, I don't. He's got to fight someone with more credentials and someone that's a boxer. Don't fight MMA fighters. What about Anderson Silva? Yeah, well, he could fight Anderson, but like I said, I want him to fight an actual boxer. Tommy pulled out. He was technically in the boxing round. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He he said his rib or something was um, broken, but yeah. Uh, they need to rebook that fight. Or give him, give him Joseph Parker, a New Zealand heavyweight boxer. Give him someone. Yeah, we like Joseph Parker. He yeah. just beat yeah. Derek Tashore. Yeah, Tashore. Yeah. We saw that too. Yep. Yeah, him and um, another New Zealand boxer, David Nika, um, both won their fight. So just it just shows that New Zealand combat sports is is live and and um, doing really well. You know, thriving in in the combat community. So awesome to see. You know, fellow um, New Zealanders doing so well and thriving even with the crazy restrictions mm. to get yeah. back into the country during the pandemic. Exactly. We really appreciate you coming on the Schmo Zone, the number sixth ranked flyway in the world, Kai Kara France. And hey, next time we see you, it's either the title eliminator or best yet, the, the title. title shot. That's it, man. I appreciate your guys' time. And hopefully, um, yeah, I'll send you some photos of us in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. need recommendations, yeah. let us know. And yeah. do a helicopter ride. There's oh, yeah? one right yeah. there. That's it's it. worth it. Okay. It is. I'll put it on the list. All right, episode 87 of the Schmozone podcast. 88. 88. Episode 88. We are out. <laughs>